It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. I'm Matt Moore, senior NBA writer for the Action Network and your host for this episode. Today, I'm joined by Sean Drotar of 1043thefan.com and 1043thefan in Denver on your radio terrestrial stations. Uh, I know how some folks feel about the fan, but I got news for you. There's a lot of really good Nuggets content over at 1043 just got to find it. Zach Bai is great in the afternoon with Stokely. He cares a lot about basketball. He hosts the, the Mile High Hoops podcast over at 104.3. And Sean has me on after every single game to talk about the Nuggets on fan late night. It's a great spot to go after the game to catch reactions, both for both the Avs and the Nuggets. Sean's got some really great perspective on this too. Having lived in Colorado all his life, I want to get his perspective on the controversy with Carmelo Anthony. We get into that. We talk about the reaction from the fans. We talk about the series. We go into in detail on all of that to get you ready and set. I am not getting this podcast up until later on Thursday. Uh, it's been a crazy day, but that's okay. This The stuff about tonight's game will be a little outdated. We will have a post-game episode up for you, though, tonight. So make sure to be on the lookout for that. Otherwise, hope you guys enjoy my conversation with Sean Drotar of 104.3 The Fan. Joining me is Sean Drotar, host of The Fan Late Night on 104.3 The Fan dot com uh, 104.3 the fan in denver and 104.3 the fan.com uh so sean there's a lot that we can get into here i want to start here about carmelo anthony because it's been a topic of a lot of conversation and with your experience here talking sports in denver i want to get your feelings and thoughts on it um mellow from the very start reacted pretty poorly to how the fans treated him coming into this series. He's been booed before, but I guess because it was a regular season and never really bothered him. He missed a lot of years for whatever reason. This was the first, you know, game playoff games with fans back in the arena, uh, really loud boos for him. He looked annoyed from the very start. There are videos that popped up after game two of fans yelling. I don't like appropriate is a weird term to use, but I think very personal over the top a little bit. Um, I haven't caught anything that there may have been some. I haven't caught anything that was like, whoa, completely over the line. If there are, please send them my way so that I can shame them on Twitter if you're listening to this. But um, it's clear that Mello is pretty upset with Denver in general. This is a bad blood series to start with. I guess let's start here. How do you think Denver should respond to Mello at this point? As the fan base itself? Yeah. It's so tricky because you look at the history of a lot of athletes getting their leverage and using it to go where they want to go, and it's pretty common. I mean, you can go all the way back to John Elway, who basically did the same thing to force his way to Denver. So this is not a a new thing, and it's not even just an NBA thing. But obviously in Denver, there is a, a lot of sore feelings, in part because 
the very nature of the NBA means Denver doesn't get a lot of superstars. And when they do, they don't usually get to keep them. The NBA stars tend to go, look, I mean, if LeBron James from Ohio and couldn't wait to get out of Cleveland, not once, but twice, there's no reason to expect that other players of that caliber are necessarily going to stay. They're going to go to bigger markets, bigger markets with more money, with ancillary earning opportunities, other things in which they can maximize their revenue and potentially their fame. Now, it's gotten better since Melo left because now the way the NBA is marketed in social media, you could be a Kevin Durant and become a superstar in Oklahoma City, but it's worth noting that even Kevin Durant and James Harden and Russell Westbrook, even on a championship contending team very similar to the Nuggets when Melo was there, they're all gone. So I understand the frustration because Denver fans look at it and think, this was our chance. This was Carmelo spurning our town and saying, Denver wasn't good enough for me. And so there is a lot of bad blood there. I'm not really sure that that's a fair way to look at it. And I would actually be willing to bet in his heart of hearts uh, maybe at least until this playoff series, Carmelo's looked at the way his career has gone and probably thought a few times, maybe I should have stayed. But the the reason for his movement made sense. I didn't like the way he left, but I understand why he did. It's the nature of the league and it's an opportunity to maximize what you can do. But at the same time, why fans are so frustrated? I get it, but boy, it seems like how much time needs to elapse uh, until you look at it and say, you know what? What he did provide us was an awful lot of fun and some pretty competitive teams over the years. And that should have value too. Uh, but I'm not really in the business of telling people how they should root for players or how they should root for teams. From my perspective, uh, obviously I would have liked it to, to go differently, but I'm over it. I'm long over it. Carmelo is a guy hanging on, on a team trying to play out the string and hopefully get a ring. And I can respect that, but I don't really look at it and go, Oh man, Carmelo Anthony's the villain. Yeah. I understand it. I think a lot of it is I've said this on some other shows too, is that for me, I don't look like the people that are directly yelling at him. That's different. That's just obnoxious fan behavior. Like the jackass that spat at Trey young and the other jackass that dumped popcorn on Russell Westbrook. Those people are jackasses and they exist in every single fan base around the NBA. I can guarantee you like every arena has this problem and it's really sad and pathetic and what really sucks is that like, I don't need to be saying all that stuff. It's like that people need to be informed. Like, Hey, you shouldn't do this. Like everyone knows, you know, they know that those guys that do that know that they shouldn't do it, but people were still respond because they're just either they're drunk or they're just jackasses. And that's just part of the dynamic of crowds. But I will say this, like the booing, which I think is totally okay. For me, it's not like booing mellow as a person. They're it's not about him as a human being, which is like, that's been a big stressor for, for players is like, they want to be treated like human beings and not just commodities. And I understand that. I think that you have to walk a line. I think the players also have to understand, like you're also a public persona and you do represent an, a, an idea. They don't get to know you and nor should they have, like, nor should you have to let them get to know you. That's not a thing, but as such, you are a public person in terms of your performance and they're reacting to that. And a lot of it is when they boo, they're not booing Carmelo Anthony. They're booing the idea that Denver's not good enough. Yes, that's, that's a really important thing to keep in mind, Matt. I think you're entirely right. What they're really booing is the idea that you didn't think our town was good enough. You didn't think we were good enough. And I think fans tend to take things personally. They weren't really intended to be personal. Uh, Carmelo really didn't run down Denver or anything like that or talk yeah. about how much he hated it here or anything like that. Uh, he just wanted to go to a bigger market where he could be a bigger star. And I think you have to zoom out and look at it and say, if you were Carmelo Anthony, and you're not from Colorado. Now, I'm from Colorado. So I understand 
how fans could get frustrated and feel like you're basically saying your town isn't good enough and, and that can get under your skin. But at the same time, you have to put yourself in Carmelo's shoes. He's not from Colorado. He's actually from back east. And when you have the opportunity to basically be presented as the savior of the New York Knicks, which is how he was going to be presented in the mecca of basketball, and that kind of uh, attention, that kind of adoration, that kind of earning potential, and that's just sitting there in front of you and all you have to do is flex a little bit of muscle to take it. I don't think you can fairly look at that and say, I would have never considered it. Unless, of course, you're like me, someone who's a native Coloradan and goes, well, I love it here so much, I can't believe that anybody wouldn't like it. But that's a little bit insular, and I don't think it's entirely fair. Now, you can be frustrated at the process of the NBA, where Carmelo could not only demand a trade, but basically force his destination. That's a totally different discussion, but that's a discussion that's a macro view of the whole league, not necessarily the Carmelo situation. Before we go to break, real quick, I want to tell you about Built Bar. It's the best tasting, most awesome protein bar in existence. There's nine delicious flavors with raspberries, my favorite. You got mint brownie, which is disgusting. Peanut butter brownie, double chocolate and salted caramel. There's something for everyone. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. They're also healthy. They have only 17 grams. They've got 17 grams of protein. They're only 130 calories. They're only four grams of sugar and only four grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I hear you, but I, I think there are some things that have to be mentioned here. A big thing for me has been this. If the Nuggets were a bottom dweller, if the Nuggets were a lottery team, if the Nuggets were a team like, oh, I don't know, the New York Knicks, then I would understand demanding out. But they went to the Western Conference Finals two years before he asked out. And the season after, Carl got cancer and they had to finish the season with Dantley. And like that's just going to mess everything up. And like, I, when I mentioned that the other day, everyone's like, you're blaming Carmelo for George Carl's cancer. I was like, no, my point here is that you can't look at the nuggets and say they didn't put a winner around him. Like Melo's made two important arguments in defending himself. He said, I've never run down the city or said anything bad about the team, the organization or the fans. He's right. The problem is the implicit nature of his decision is negative. It's like, I'm so excited to be in New York. I just can't believe that I'm in New York. This is a dream come true. Thank goodness I'm here where it matters. It's like, but this other city like loved you and embraced you. And this is a whole thing. And then the other thing that he has said repeatedly is like, there were problems under the, like behind the scenes in terms of his feelings about the team's direction. Um, essentially, there was a lot of talk that he really wanted a center 
to defend Andrew Bynum, to go up against Andrew Bynum and the Lakers. And ownership's unwillingness to go into the luxury tax to battle that was a big part of his frustration. I will be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I am always ready to criticize the Cronkies for their lack of spending. That is something that I am always here to do. It, it doesn't really resonate in this case, especially with how Bynum's career wound up. And it just, it's always felt very much like I'm going to fill in the gaps here. Like, oh, it was this. Oh, it was this. And like, there are other situations around the league you can kind of compare this to where players have said later, like, oh, well, you know, I wanted to stay, but they wouldn't do X, Y, or Z. And it's like, that's a very convenient thing for you to say because executives will, won't go the other way back because they can't risk damaging relationships with other superstars or more importantly, their agents. So like this stuff gets political and that's a problem. Um, and so I, I always kind of think that that has to be factored in when we look at Carmelo's situation. For me, it just comes down to the, they put a winner around him. The team supported him. And like, this is a lot of it is like the fans have a place in the basketball ecosystem and a trade demand to go to a garbage dwelling team that by the way, was on a really promising path before he got there. And then everything went to hell and they made one second round appearance and he got absolutely smacked by the Pacers. Like all of this stuff, I think together is why you talked about how like there needs to be some sort of like reconciliation over time. I think at the end of it, I think his last game in Denver, he'll get the standing out. I think he'll get the ovation. I think it's going to take, we've seen this with Vince Carter Raptors fans held it against him for over a decade. And then like his last time in Toronto, he got a massive standing ovation. I, I think we'll see probably the same thing with Kevin Durant, in Oklahoma city. I think the end of his career last stop in OKC, he'll get the standing out. I think Melo will get the same thing. I don't know how they're going to retire the number because that's now a problem. But uh, I do think at the end of it, he'll wind up getting the ovation that he deserves. Do you think so? I hope so. I mean, there are so many bad feelings, but it depends on how much longer this goes. And it depends, quite frankly, to a certain extent, uh, how this series goes, mm -hmm. realistically, because I don't think we know how many times Carmelo Anthony is going to play Denver again. I mean, this is one of the rare times where he's played them at all, let alone where it matters. So though the way he plays is going to matter in this as well, and maybe even the way he he feels he needs to defend himself. It, it could conceivably get worse. I hope it doesn't, but uh, I, I do get how all of this bothers Carmelo. I do. Uh, don't have a lot of sympathy for it. He brought that yeah. on himself, but I understand why it bothers him. For fans, I understand, especially right now in this playoff series, why about jumping on it? It's just another reason to despise a playoff rival and a division rival and all that sort of makes sense too, as long as it doesn't get into the uh, highly personal, offensive, jackass type of stuff that you were talking about that we see far too often at times. I wonder during the uh, the COVID pandemic breakaway, if we, we forgot how to interact with other human beings in person again, everyone still thinks they're on social media and talking on, on Twitter, like it's okay to, to speak to people that way. And I would like to see it sort of cool down, but I don't think it's going to cool down now because you and I both believe this series is going to be a hard fought. It's probably going to go a long way. I don't think we know who's going to win, but it's quite possible it's the Blazers. And if Carmelo Anthony plays a big part in that and uh, is doing things like shoving Nikola Jokic in the back and getting flagrants, uh, that may last too, because it's always sort of that most recent impression. And Carmelo is battling the one that he had when he left and now the one that he's creating today. So that's problematic as well. But 
it's uh, it's funny you brought about the the jersey retirement thing. I, I don't necessarily know what you do with that. You sort of have the weird situation with the uh, Denver Broncos, who had number eighteen retired for their first ever quarterback, Frank Trapuca, when Peyton Manning came to Denver. Uh, Manning was given the the freedom to use it by the Trapuca family. And now the Broncos, of course, have an, an 18 up there in their south stands that kind of says one name on top, one name on the bottom. And I, I guess that's kind of what you're going to have to do here and there. Uh, or you just get over it and just hang two 15s. I, I don't know how it shakes out. But the, the sort of legacy thing for Carmelo, at, at a certain point, he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, he, there's no question about that. But what's he won? So in the end, I mean, what is Denver really worried about? Well, what did Carmelo get for leaving Denver? Okay, he maybe got a little more money. He maybe got a little more fame, but he didn't win. He never came close to the success that he had in the Denver Nuggets. So really, in the end, who won that? I mean, Carmelo made the wrong choice. He lost. He but I think that's part of it. it. For, for me, if I were a fan, that would be part of it, is I would be like, you weren't even right. Like, yeah. at least the, at least the sure. Thunder fans have to look at it and say, like, you won two titles with the Warriors. I hate that you did it. I'm never going to get over that you did it. But I think that was even right. cheaper. That was cheaper than what Carmelo did. I mean, that was a straight up, we met you in the Western Conference Finals. We lost. Uh, if you can't beat them, join them. You know, yeah. really, quite frankly, uh, from a competitive standpoint, an, an almost cowardly move by Kevin Durant to, to do that. And Carmelo's situation is a little different. But, you know, this is this is the NBA, unfortunately, and it has been for some time. I know that Adam Silver is trying to break away from some of the big market centrism that that has hovered around the NBA ever since David Stern took over in, in the late 70s, because that's what Stern needed to do. He needed to yeah. salvage an NBA that was coming out of a, a 70s era that, that the product wasn't as good. They were trying to merge the, the ABA. There were drug scandals. And so the best way to do it in, in that world was let's have New York, Chicago, L.A. Those are the, the teams we want in there all the time because they're big markets. You don't need to have that anymore in the NBA. And you see a comparison in the NFL. If you were to start an NFL franchise, you would never pick Green Bay, Wisconsin. But that can be as impactful a team as anywhere else because of the parity involved in that league. And that's part of what's made the, the NFL blow up. I think Adam Silver sees that. And I think he's trying his best to get there. But this is now sort of baked in over generations that this is how you get things done. You eventually get big, you go to a big city, you join with all your pals on a super team and you, you win a couple titles and off you go. It's that culture of the NBA, which by the way, is not created entirely by players, but also by the way the league is structured. That is really the bigger culprit here. And I, I don't look at it and I don't think it necessarily excuses what Carmelo Anthony did. But you can't look at it in a vacuum because he's hardly the only player that's ever done something like this. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the series and where it's at and where Sean sees it going. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the news, odds, info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, Go Avs, and all your UFC, MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 
want to tell you guys about rockauto.com. I had to replace some taillights and I wanted to do it myself. And I decided to use rockauto.com. Chain stores have all these different prices, but you can get the best prices for you and the same for everybody at rockauto.com. They offer the lowest prices possible rather than what the market will bear. It's for everybody. There's no login information or membership required. You just log on, browse the great catalog and get the, the parts that you need for your car or truck. They got everything from control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered right to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Nuggets, thanks for joining us, making us part of your day. I'm alongside Sean Drotar from 104.3, the fan in Denver. Sean, big game three coming up tonight as we record this. Uh, what do you think is like the? How do you see the series shaking out? What has been something that surprised you about the series? Well, it was surprising to see how effective the Blazers have managed to cut down on Nikola Jokic's ability to orchestrate the game via the passing game. Uh, obviously, it was a focus, and it was a very smart focus. I think what they've done there is is very intelligent. They're basically allowing Jokic to to do what he wants to do offensively when it comes to a scoring perspective, but they're making sure that they can't basically make the offense diverse, which is what makes Jokic special. Now, it worked well in the first game because nobody's really attempted to really go all in on that sort of style, so Jokic hadn't seen it. One assist in that first game, got to five in the second game. Also got a little better shooting from teammates in the second game. But that's clearly what the Blazers are going to continue to try to do. The Nuggets changed. Obviously, we saw at the halftime of game two, Damian Lillard got 32 points at halftime. Aaron Gordon apparently basically went to the coaching staff and said, I got him. And then he limits Lillard to 10, which means Lillard's still getting 20 a game. It's not as if it's he shut him down by any stretch. But he did take him out of that comfort zone. So now I look at it and think that Compazzo is not somebody that can hang with Lillard. The, the size is a pro, is problematic. The, the speed's okay, but Lillard has been figured out, and it's not something that's going to be effective. So now you have to look at some combination of, of Rivers, potentially, and certainly Gordon. And I think they're going to try Gordon there until it stops working. That also means there's some nervousness, because if Gordon is leaving the wing to focus on Lillard, what does that mean for guys like Norman Powell? It, can they go off? Can the Nuggets find a way to compensate for Gordon's sort of missing defense on that wing, or did the Blazers find another way to, to shoot from the outside, whether it's McCollum or whether it's Powell or some combination of the two. So the, the chess match there will be fascinating. And it's really an idea of how, uh, in the end, how Damian Lillard adapts to what the Nuggets are trying to do to him, and now what Nikola Jokic adapts to what the Blazers are trying to do to him. And the coaching matchup is fascinating. For Michael Malone, I think this is the most interesting coaching matchup of his career to evaluate how he's grown as a coach. And I think he's pushed almost all the right buttons over his entire length of time with the Nuggets. There are things you can nitpick, but you can do that with anybody. He's basically done all the right things, but he hasn't been caught up in a lot of X's and O's battles. And this might be the first series I think I've really seen it. So 
it will be fascinating. And I, I think because of that, there's a lot of unpredictability in not only this game three, but the rest of the series. And that's exciting. Yeah, I think Mullen's done pretty well uh, in terms of adjusting and and pulling off things like that. I think um, it's one of the reasons why actually I was pretty confident the Blazers were going to win this series going in. I am a lot less confident now, and it's not because they won game two because they were at home. They're supposed to win game two. They're supposed right. to win. You're supposed to win your home games in this. And, you know, I wasn't. I figured the Blazers would get one, um, but it's more that the Blazers have shot the lights out, just shot the absolute lights out. And they have shooters, no question about it, but you have to like think of it as like, all right, adjust for how good their shooters are and then how much better did they shoot? And the Blazers have still shot above expectation. They've done that in two games and they still have either lost or been in a scrap in the fourth quarter with this Nuggets team. Like the fact that Portland can't get stops versus a limited offense I would be absolutely panicked if I was a Blazers fan. Like the fact that they can't find defensive answers versus a team starting Austin Rivers and Faco Campazzo, it, it should absolutely just terrify them. Like that they really have been to... remarkable, Matt, because you're right. When, when you look at this, at this matchup, despite the fact that the offense is very limited, as you pointed out, the reason Michael Porter Jr. was contained in game one was because he didn't shoot well. He certainly had his shots. He certainly had his opportunity. He just didn't shoot well. Despite the fact that you know that this is Jokic, Porter, and hopefully a little bit of Gordon, and then who knows what, they still can't stop. They flat out cannot stop either Jokic or Porter Jr. They can't. The only guys that can really stop those two are themselves. If they don't shoot well, if they don't make the right choices, that is surprising. I expected the Blazers' defense to be better than it is. And truthfully, it's been very, very poor. And you would think, in general, when it comes to the playoffs, the team that has the worst defense often finds itself in trouble unless their offense is historic or overwhelming. And certainly the Blazers have the ability to score in bunches and shoot. But they're limited as well to a certain extent. If those shots aren't falling from the outside, they're mortal. Yeah, they don't have a lot of options in terms of of scoring inside. I do wonder if Nurkic has a big game three. Uh, You might be listening to this episode after game three, so you'll know whether I was right or wrong. But I, I, I think... In general, they have a lot fewer kind of the Nuggets have fewer options in personnel. The Blazers have fewer options and mechanisms to create those shots. And that's been, I think, a a glaring thing in this series. Um, Final thing for you, Sean, is what next year? Okay, I'm going to give you some assumptions next year. Let's say that they announced Jamal Murray's going to be back. Like they put the timeline around couple of weeks after the all-star game, uh, Aaron Gordon's coming back. Jokic is coming back after an MVP season, et cetera. MPJ third year in the league. Um, they make whatever adjust, uh, adjustments they make in the off season. They'll probably add another guard because they lost Gary and RJ in the, in the Gordon trade. Um, let's say that the TV deal gets worked out and the Nuggets fans can actually watch them. What space do you think the Nuggets are going to occupy in the Denver sports landscape going into next season given both the abs run that's currently ongoing uh the broncos potentially getting aaron Rodgers, uh, but more generally just in terms of they built a lot of interest with the playoff run last year and then the trade this year and how good they looked and then jamal murray and everything where do you think that they're going to occupy relative to what you've seen them over the course of your career Second in the market, 
where yeah. they've basically sat for a long time, with the possible exception that if the Avalanche win the Stanley Cup. Uh, teams love winners. The Avalanche have a very realistic chance of wearing, winning the Stanley Cup. As a matter of fact, I've, I've said on my show that I think that whoever comes out of the West Division, whether that's Vegas if they win Game 7, whether that's the Avs, is probably the Stanley Cup winner barring injuries, and I, I still stand behind that. So if they win the Cup, I think there's there's a difference, but hockey is still relatively niche. And while Denver has a good fan base for hockey, much better than people give it credit for, it's just not the size of an NBA fan base. And th- there is also sort of the odd idea, and, and Red Sox fans and Cubs fans can speak to that, that the idea of never getting there is sometimes a bit more appealing than when you've been there at the top of the mountain before. There's a satisfaction about it. And you're kind of about what's next. So I think if the Nuggets get Murray back healthy, I think if Gordon stays, I think if they sign Mike, uh, Michael Porter Jr., to an extension where you know these guys are going to be here. This is the core. I think the Nuggets sit in a good, solid second place, and they wouldn't be higher than that except for the NFL in every one of the 32 cities that the NFL is in rules the roost. But the Nuggets have held that spot since they arrived on the scene in 1968, and I I don't think that's going to change. The Rockies have basically traded themselves and, and their lack of spending. They've put themselves into oblivion. I mean, it's a remarkable because a baseball team by default playing all alone during the summer by itself in most cities has a, a great opportunity to get some mind share, but the Rockies have completely thrown that in the dumpster. So I think it's number two in town, uh, unless the Avs win the cup, and then it's probably 2B. I think there's a lot of excitement about the Nuggets. I think that the style of play that they have is very compelling, and even people who aren't huge NBA fans, they, they watch it. Maybe they're sitting in a, a bar, which we'll be able to do again soon enough, and with, with people out there and, and watching games and seeing some of these exciting plays and you just kind of see it in the background, you're like, wow, what's happening there? So that they're a compelling team. They're a fun team to watch. And as long as I think fans know, we started this with the Carmelo Anthony situation, that we know that the guys they're falling in love with are still going to be here in Denver. I think there's all the reason to believe the Nuggets are going to continue to become immensely popular in Denver. That's Sean Drotar of 104.3 The Fan. You can catch him on late nights as well as throughout the week in various spots on 104.3 The Fan. You can follow him on Twitter at SDrotar. Sean, thanks so much for coming on the show. Anytime. Thank you for having me, Matt. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast at free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.